Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. Nick. Chris. And I'm Caleb, and this week I think Nick has a pick for us. Got a pick for us, guys. This is the soundtrack to Tropic Thunder. All right. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Since been on the list for a little while. Yeah, buddy. Uh, what year is this from? 2008. 2008. 2008. That's right. Was this a uh, soundtrack that you guys uh, listened to? No, but I, I saw this movie in theaters, and the soundtrack did really well, surprisingly. Did it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big seller. Big mm-hmm. seller that year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the film, and I'd never listened to the soundtrack uh, independently, but um, it's pretty, music's pretty prominent to the film, so mm-hmm. I think I'm aware of a lot of it and uh, excited to jump in. You guys want to hear track one? Let's do it. This is The Crystal Method with Name of the Game. You've got to cross it fucking line. So, uh, yeah, this is a pre-existing Crystal Method track that got the, uh, the Godzilla soundtrack treatment of, uh, <laughs> of a movie remix that made it unlistenable. <laughs> That's right. This, is, uh, this track has uh, Tom Morello yeah. uh, writing on it, who we talked about in uh, our last episode, The Faculty, mm-hmm. where he had that like, very unfortunate cover of um, Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the <laughs> Another Wall. Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah. Um, Crystal Method was a band I think I first listened to uh, when I was playing the uh, the first Need for Speed game on PlayStation right. One, and it had that track of theirs uh, called Busy Child. Yeah, which yeah. Is, uh, well, that's huge jam. Yeah. yeah, that was when I was in high school. Big Beat was like a big uh, was big on like alternative radio, and I, I was a sucker for all of it. So this is off their I think their second album, uh, their first album. What was it called like Vegas or something? Yeah, so, um, that's right. Their that's first right. record, at least that record that I remember, it was a huge thing. It was kind of like, uh, at that point, it was like Chemical Brothers and uh, and Moby. And, Propeller Heads. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the Crystal Method, I think, who um, it kind of, <laughs> after that one record, I don't remember hearing much about them. No, like, they're uh, very PlayStation 1. <laughs> I think yeah. you nailed it. <laughs> I think they're, uh, they're, they might still be active as well, <laughs> which is uh, kind, yeah. of, kind of amazing. Watch yourselves, everybody. They're still active. Um, <laughs> I remember growing up, okay, there was always a discussion of it's like, ah, you know, like their name is Crystal Meth OD. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. See, we had a friend who their way to get to gigs was to ask their friend Crystal. And we would always, it was the Crystal method of getting to. Sure, like, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so just for the record, this is off of Crystal Method's second <laughs> album called Tweekend. <laughs> right. No, see, that's that's a misconception, too. As well. Because we would do two weekends in a row. No, see, that's a play be- on words <laughs> between weekend and tweaking on meth. <laughs> Drugs. Oh. No, see, oh, that's yeah. not, no, that's not what it okay. means. That's not what it means. <laughs> see, our friend... Twix. <laughs> we love to have weekends at this place. Yeah, so. Great job, Crystal Method. <laughs> For the record, I don't think I got their fake story on how they got their name right, but it was something like that. It was some sort of... I think I'd always heard it was like, oh, it was some like, way to date somebody, and then it was like, I don't know. 
Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook they made up during a <laughs> like, radio I don't know why, but I, I'm right. constantly offended by, it's like the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds thing of like bands having to like half-heartedly lie about something not being about what it's obviously about. Mm-hmm. Drugs. But, but we all know that, so them copping to it makes it less interesting. Yeah, in well, it way. makes me feel like an idiot for getting into Crystal Method <laughs> and then doing a bunch of meth and then finding out that it's not even about meth. It's not even, yeah, my favorite band, <laughs> it wasn't even about that. The song was, uh, so the remix plays uh, at the end credits uh, but also I guess the original version without all the uh, dialogue <laughs> from the movie Robert Downey Jr. speaking uh, that happens like about 30 minutes in when they're on the helicopter I like for the most part in the 90s it was like we are going to add all these tracks of like clips from the film and people are going to love it and people are like yeah do we and then in the in the 2000s they're like we're just going to ruin one song by putting all the clips in that we've uh, thought about doing the rush hour soundtrack before but basically like every other track is just dialogue (laughs) yeah it's like war but you're gonna hear a lot of uh, chris tucker on that exactly (laughs) maybe one day we'll get to that yeah you guys want to uh, get to track two let's do it this is the temptations with ball of confusion that's what the world is today person talking about love and brother is the preacher and it seems nobody's interested in learning but the teacher segregation determination demonstration integration aggravation humiliation obligation to my nation great track yeah it's a pretty good track i'm like uh when i was listening to it i was really it struck me that i'm still listening for somebody to crack the top 10 with like a a track about how terrible 2020 is (laughs) all of confusions up there. yeah yeah well i'm just saying it's like this was in the what the late 60s early 70s Uh, maybe it's in the 70s because i think it was a a single off of like uh maybe their greatest hits Mm -hmm. that was marketed in the seventies. But, uh, yeah, this is from the Barry Gordy Motown factory. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's like they could just be listing all the shitty things happening and people are like, yeah, (laughs) it sells. (laughs) Just, uh, we didn't start the fire of horrible things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I mean, so this is kind of playing in the, the film within the film sort of, uh, like helicopters, the beginning. And it's like, uh, this Vietnam platoon ripoff sort of thing. But I guess this song, and there's so many other Vietnam classic songs, like, uh, fortunate son. If you see like, (laughs) like helicopters over rice patties, it's like, (laughs) any sort of thing. Uh, Tina Turner also recorded a, uh, cover version of this temptations track that, uh, you know, got a lot of attention, kind of like a synthy version. I think uh, Love and Rockets, the uh, offshoot of Bauhaus, did a, a cover of a song that's like a little weird. Mm-hmm. But I think it actually did pretty well in the 80s. I was this close to seeing Tina on Broadway, the Tina oh, Turner yeah. story. Yeah, but for obvious reasons, I didn't get to go. And <laughs> <laughs> <I had> tickets. <laughs> I just heard uh, Hillary Clinton, I think it was on... Um, like Colbert or something like that. She was talking about uh, going to see Tina and she's like, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it was great. Yeah. I went because I because Hillary told me to. Uh, that song also has uh, the Funk Brothers playing uh, on the instrumental. 
we've talked about the Funk Brothers before. They're like the uh, Motown studio band that would uh, show up and clock in for work every day. You know, just play on every great track. Oh man! Yeah. Well, I think okay. So this is the era when Motown would have like everybody do a version. Everybody that's like signed to Motown would like cut a version of some song, and then they would figure out which is like and release a bunch of them and see what sold. Uh, yeah. But I think, so So you were talking about the the band did a, like a, an instrumental version of this that was like 10 minutes long or something. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, The Temptations used like three and a half minutes or something. But then there was another act called The Undisputed Truth, who I really like on mm-hmm. Motown. And uh, they have like their album around the same time. It has like the entire, it's I think like one side of like the LP. Yeah, it's just all it of just side fu- A. It just fucking keeps going and <laughs> oh, going. God. It's amazing. I think it's this. Let me double check that, but uh, keep talking. You want to hear some of track three? Let's do it. Sure. This is Creedence Clearwater Revival with Run Through the Jungle. classic credence clearwater revival <laughs> my uh my dad listened to a lot of credence growing up and uh i remember like uh hearing this song in the big lebowski yeah that was also a big moment and uh this song has been used in a ton of different uh movies and oh, yeah. uh, different outlets this was mm-hmm. in air america in 1990 this was in my girl in 91 this was in rudy in 93 and uh, it's also in the uh, call of duty black ops cold war <laughs> nice yeah okay. um a lot of people thought this song was a uh, Vietnam protest song yeah. because the song that you mentioned earlier, Fortunate Son, yeah. is a protest song. But uh, John Fogarty has uh, said that this is uh, about gun control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had uh, apparently like read some statistic about how uh, even back then in the late 60s, early 70s, there was like a gun for every living American man, boy. Yeah, and it kind of child. freaked him out. You know, you're like, just like Jesus. running through the jungle of, you know, living in America. Yeah. Um, well, the good thing is we um, we yeah. really scaled back yeah, yeah. the amount of guns. <laughs> we really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I think I was talking with you guys uh, off mic one day. We were talking about like, what's what's the first like great American rock group? Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of as a group settled on... Uh, Credence. On Credence. Yeah. Who I love. What's well, that thing when someone's like, "What's the greatest American rock band?" You're like, "Oh, Rolling uh, uh, the Who, uh, yeah, the Doors." Be- no, uh, not the do- no, I didn't say the Doors. <laughs> yeah. The but Kinks. Like, every no. one of them, you're like, "Oh, they're all from England." Or they're all from ACD. No, that's Australian. Ah, God yeah. dang it! Red Hot Chili Peppers. I guess the, the Strokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but cre- okay. So John Fogerty, who I love. Um, one thing that continuously bothers me, they're. A California band. He was born in Berkeley. Yeah, but he's he a Berkeley like kid, and everything deep, is, deep south. There's so many songs about the Bayou and fucking <laughs> yeah. like all this like riding on a great alligator. Berkeley guy. Yeah, man. I saw him. Um, I was. I went to the Billy Joel uh, Madison Square Garden concert. My aunt took me. 
um and uh john fogarty popped on stage i guess he was in town doing something and he you know he's a million years old and dressed like a scarecrow and just like hopping around like playing aw- i mean he's still awesome yeah. man but you know his voice has gone to hell but like yeah does not look like somebody who grew up on the west coast like, <laughs> it's like you know overalls and a uh like a bandana around his neck and a <laughs> denim jacket and you're just like all right this must have been sometime in the mid '80s. Uh, the boss of Credence's label, uh, Fantasy Records, uh, this uh, really great guy, really awesome guy, Saul Zantz, uh, filed a lawsuit claim against John Fogerty oh. in uh, yeah 1984 because the uh, the record label had claimed that "Run Through the Jungle" was too similar to John Fogerty's other song, "The Old Man Down the Road," and. Um, you know, this went all the way up uh, in the courts. Yeah, yeah. This is the famous case of uh, John Fogarty being sued for yeah, sounding is, like John Fogarty. Uh, this is Fantasy what? Inc. versus Fogarty. <laughs> and um, the, the judge found that an artist cannot plagiarize himself. Yeah. Which I <laughs> completely agree with. Yeah. And I don't know why this label had, you know, Credence is signed to Fantasy Records. I'm not sure why the label had had it, had it out for Fogarty, but just the, the premise that an artist can plagiarize themselves, I think, is uh, a little absurd. Well, imagine if they set a precedent that they could. <laughs> like, yeah. what? All what right, would well, happen? Can I'm going to do a little bit of straw man. I'm going to argue the other side. Okay. All right. So, what if what if you're, um, say, say you're John Fogarty. Okay, I'm John and, Fogarty. And you write Run in the Jungle, and mm-hmm. then uh, you, like, sell the rights to Run in the Jungle to uh, some label. Somebody buys those rights. And then you just uh, record another song called Still Running in the Jungle. Yeah. It sounds exactly the same. <laughs> they I might would, try uh, and nab you. Yeah, wouldn't they be like, well, you just sold me that rights to that song. It's like, oh, I sold you the rights to the other song. I just re- <laughs> You could just do that over and over. In my defense, uh, it ain't me. <laughs> it ain't me. That ain't me on that song. <laughs> yeah, landmark case, Fantasy Inc. versus Fogarty. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you to that judge. <laughs> Man, we haven't talked about the movie at all yet. Yeah, yeah we'll, really. we'll get to it. You guys want to hear track four? <laughs> yeah, 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 let's sure. do it. This is Enigma with Sadness. Part one. This is some uh, some new age goodness from the uh, early '90s, and who knew that those flute sounds would get so popular oh, yeah. in uh, EDM music these yeah. days? I, uh, my brother and I, we bought this tape. Um, so if you ever wondered what a nine year old Caleb was doing, he was listening to a Enigma, a German band's um, <laughs> song about the Marquis de Sade that sampled Gregorian chants. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I, I think maybe I might have said this uh, song title wrong. There is an E after the yeah, yeah. D. It's Sadeness. The Sadeness. Sadeness. Smooth operator Sadeness. <laughs> yeah. The first time I heard Enigma was on the uh, the pure, pure moods. moods. I was going to bring it up too. Pure moods. Pure nice. moods. <laughs> it, it was a pure, pure mo- moods. <laughs> pure moods. 
It's on Spotify, and yeah. I was very excited to see that. And that it was, was the- a CD that I ordered off of the television, <laughs> and it took like six months to arrive, and it had that Enigma track on it, Return to Innocence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. has that vocal sample. I, I had that. And then... Uh, so good. Did it have Deep Forest on it? I remember Deep Forest being yeah. kind of the same. I remember it had like... Um, <laughs> Inya on it, the X Files theme song. I was, <laughs> I think I was that shocked. was when I was in maybe like kindergarten or first grade, and I was just way into new age music <laughs> for some reason as that a was, little kid. That was like midnight, um, like Comedy Central, like uh, TV advertising, or, or like just all those uh, like infomercial midnight. That's right, with the yellow yeah. text that would go by with yeah. the artist. God, as you guys talk about this, I feel like somehow I did also have a copy of Pure Moods. I, I it was was a staple in a lot of households um and and i feel a million years old i mean that sentence you said this was a cd i ordered off of the television i sent money to like a PO box in like indiana you send a check or money order yeah (laughs) money order (laughs) to hear music (laughs) it's it's so bananas but man do i uh i really do love enigma all right so inside the film this is scoring one of the fake trailers at the beginning of the movie kind of like uh maybe one of the more there's a few fake trailers this is one of the more memorable ones where it's uh robert downey jr's character is playing a gay monk Mm -hmm. along with Mm -hmm. toby Maguire. yeah yeah. it's It's like like brokeback mountain but monks monks. (laughs) yeah 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 there's that there's the the fatties which is uh jeff portnoy jack black's character yeah. and he's doing like an eddie murphy like <laughs> i know thing. if you're at home and you're eddie murphy you're just like <laughs> <laughs> all right man yeah and we all know eddie murphy yeah, uh, he's got loves his to... he's got his list just like ben <laughs> yeah. <Stiller>. david spade <laughs> yeah eddie murphy cannot laugh at himself yeah. um, there's that famous story of david spade making fun of him on snl and then like eddie yeah. murphy like showing up at the snl offices yeah. it's very ironic because most of those movies are just eddie murphy laughing at himself over and over and other characters yeah i know <laughs> come on man so, uh, the, so these, those are two uh, what is what are the other trailers and you've got scorcher uh six the meltdown <laughs> the yeah. global meltdown and then uh, before that there's like a quick commercial of al pacino's booty sweat and bust a nut thing but and then yeah. i think later we get like the simple jack trailer yeah, yeah. you see a little bit of simple jack there was a simple jack website uh <laughs> that came out oh, yeah. uh months before the movie to sort of like uh and i think like you could also order booty sweat off of amazon for a while but uh, just like in uh, marketing materials for the movie and then without the context of the movie people saw the simple jack website and were like whoa no like that is extremely offensive and i, I guess there was like a short like sizzle trailer and uh, it led to a bunch of protests at the premiere of Tropic Thunder. Oh. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll get into some more, like... Yeah, there were a lot of angles of protest uh, <laughs> yeah. involved in this movie, but yeah. uh, maybe we should jump into the next track. Yeah, let's hear a little bit of track five. This is MC Hammer with You Can't Touch This. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard, makes me say, oh my lord, thank you for blessing me. When I'm mine too round and too hype, it feels good when you know you're down. A super dope homeboy from the Oak Town, and I'm known as such, and this is a beat up. You can't touch this. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. 
This was a uh, another track that Young Nicky was uh, really, really into, and this was from another CD that I ordered off of the television uh-huh. called Living in the 90s, wow. which, <laughs> which uh, I also found that's uh, floating around on Spotify now. It's fantastic. It's got well, EMF on there. Perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, All the good stuff. And um, I never realized that uh, that was a Rick James sample mm-hmm. also. I just mm-hmm. never never clocked that. Yeah, it's uh, super free, right? Yeah. yeah, super free. There's that yeah. famous... What uh, a groove. <laughs> there's that famous little soundbite of Rick James like, I thought I was stealing. I thought I was stealing. <laughs> no question. It was stealing. Yeah. <laughs> God, man. Talk about it. The I mean, dawn of sampling. MC Hammer just uh, riding so high on wings of uh, <laughs> of sampling. Yeah, man. <laughs> Buying a $25 million mansion um, yeah, after two hit days. songs. Yeah. Ugh, what a I, paradise. Uh, I had this album on tape, and I watched his cartoon. There was a Saturday in the morning cartoon uh, about MC Hammer as like a secret agent. And his, his parachute pants, <laughs> parachute pants. Oh, the, yeah, those big pantalones. He could, he could like float down from things. Oh boy, it was a real special time. He's no stranger to soundtracks. He was on the uh, the Adams Family, uh, maybe Adams Family Values. Yes, mm-hmm. I think he might have done one from both. I don't know. I think he might have. I think it was. Yes, I think he did. And then um, for sure the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack. He. Yeah, provided some music for what mm-hmm. part of the movie is this this is also during the previews this is the fatties uh, oh, okay. there's like yeah, yeah. there's three different songs during the fatties yeah so these these uh, parody trailers at the top of the movie are setting you up to get to know the uh the celebrities that are hired to uh be in tropic thunder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh man so i rented this to rewatch it and i was a little saddened because i didn't see it in the theater and it sets up where if you were in the theater, it would just go from the real previews. Like, yeah, you kind like of aren't sure what's going on for a second. And yeah. then it, and it made me remember the days of like renting VHSs where they all had previews. Yeah, yeah. And you would have like popped it in. But like nowadays, I turned it on. Like Steph had never seen Tropic Thunder. And it starts playing, and and when the previews come on, it's like jarring. You're like, "What the fuck is this?" And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, I had that too because I hadn't seen Tropic Thunder before." And I put it on. I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" <laughs> oh, uh, I see what's happening here. Well, well uh, to be completely candid, and uh, sorry, relatives, if you're listening, I was very stoned uh, in 2008 <laughs> when I saw it, and I don't smoke pot that much, so I was like, you know, already not feeling great, and then like. <laughs> It starts with the Al Pacino booty sweat thing, and like Brandon T. Jackson isn't somebody like he's not a household name. So I was like, "What? <laughs> like booty sweat? That's ridiculous!" And then like Scorcher, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, that looks good. We should go see it." Oh, oh yeah. wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like by the time Fatties came around, I was like, "I see what they're doing." They took me so long to to catch up to like what they were trying to do. Great job, Ben Stiller. Yeah. I gotta say, uh, the the first thing that strikes me, like watching the Devil's Alley trailer, or whatever Satan's Alley, Satan's Alley, um, <laughs> please, please, so ridiculous. Robert Downey Jr. They like fitted him with these creepy blue contacts yeah. and the blonde hair <laughs> yeah. to make the transition like even more jarring. But it's kind of like the uh, it reminds me of Joseph Gordon Levitt in in uh, Looper. 
Oh, oh yeah, where he's got the weird eyes <laughs> to make him look like, like Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. <laughs> they put the eyes in; they never quite look right. Yeah, uh, but these ones look like very not right. <laughs> There's a really good part uh, that I had forgotten about in the Satan's Alley thing. Where it's just Robert Downey Jr. going like, <laughs> but his scream, I laughed so hard because it's so perfect and it's so amazing. over the top. Yeah, <laughs> screaming into nothingness over sexual frustration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You guys want to get into the next track? Please. Let's do it. Up next, we've got track number six. This is Ready, Set, Go by Ben Gidsjoy. Do we know where this is in the movie? Yeah, this is um, when Steve Coogan's character is walking to the meeting where he's about to get um, torn into by Lex Grossman. Les Grossman. Les Grossman. Yeah, there's, I guess, up top, you know, they're filming what looks like a complete platoon ripoff. And, yeah, well, I think uh, I read that that first scene, it took him like two weeks to shoot like the fake scene at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is like, that movie could have become what it was parodying. Like, yeah. and it, it cost a hundred million dollars to make this movie. <laughs> they shot the whole thing in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> near where Ben Stiller has a home. Yeah, yeah. In Hawaii. Also, a little bit of a parody on Apocalypse Now, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, all those Vietnam era things. But I mean, the you know, you see the the scene of Ben Stiller's character like running towards the helicopter, and oh, that's yeah. the, the Willem Dafoe, that's the Willem Elias. Dafoe platoon. Yeah, yeah. Ah! yeah. Which I went back and watch that scene with uh willem dafoe and platoon and that is a little silly <laughs> like it's a great movie but he's just like, dude i i've yeah. i've never like uh i've never gone back to an oliver stone film and felt like super great about it <sighs> the doors you didn't have a good time revisiting that uh, natural born killers natural born killers is rough <laughs> tough to watch rodney dangerfield but <laughs> but making connections here downey uh, yeah. had uh, done Australian before and they wanted him to be like a British actor and he's like, listen, I can probably do Australian a little bit better if you make Kirk Lazarus um, Australian. I can like riff off of that, but he barely uses that voice in the first mm-hmm. place. So. I mean... Uh, <laughs> but he had done that for Natural Black I think that the funniest thing about this movie to me is the idea of Robert Downey Jr. like agreeing to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like the conversation you have to have here at track listing we we don't shy away from uh conversations about uh about rachel oh we do <laughs> yeah we oh, do yeah. <laughs> no no but it's like the idea of being like okay so uh it's a hilarious character it's the funny and you're gonna be in blackface it's like what what, hmm? what that? and this is i think uh iron man hadn't come out yet i think it was around the same time mm. um yeah this is 2008 but mm-hmm. it's still yeah. like I, I can't I can't imagine that conversation and him just being like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's and pretty then, absurd. Like, how do we feel about it now in retrospect? I That's I mean, the question. Okay, so, I mean, you saw the movie for the first time. Um, I just did, In yeah. preparation for this episode. What did you think with fresh eyes? Because I, at the time, I thought it was okay. And then, like, because it's, it, it was making fun of... I, 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 I mean... Ben Stiller has come out to defend it, saying, like, mm-hmm. we're making fun of actors that do this. 
So that's why it's okay. And I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. I feel like but- it might be okay. It's it's uh, it, it definitely made me feel very uncomfortable. Okay. Um, I understand the premise of it being a comment on the situation in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was pretty unsettling. <laughs> uh, but, you know, is he going to get in trouble for it? Should we be calling him out for it? I don't really know. Yeah. But I, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, I think it worked. Like, all the all the jokes, there's also some, there's like a, a lot of parts, you know, talking about like the developmentally disabled that it's like offensive but i but like the butt of all the jokes are the actors who are taking themselves too seriously right and it's like even inside the film robert downey jr's character is constantly being called out by al pacino mm-hmm. for like being in blackface and like why what are you doing man yeah, yeah this is absurd yeah. uh i think the craziest thing well robert downey jr pulls it off so well that it's hilarious and it's i don't know it it's the definitely the funniest part in the movie is any part that he's in. Yeah. And then he got nominated for a Best Supporting Actor for it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's <laughs> the insane thing. It's definitely not a movie that could come out now. I think that we can we can comfortably say that Robert Daniel Jr. will be the last actor to be nominated for an Oscar in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's okay. It's a feeling, you know? Some things feel worse. And, like, Robert Downey Jr. somehow got away with it because, like, I heard, like, Jamie Foxx talking about it. It's like, because we all like Robert Downey Jr. Like, and if we didn't like him, we wouldn't like this. Like, that's the whole reason why. And, like, Brandon T. Jackson talks about, like, he read the script and he's like, what? My face. <laughs> he's like, this is insane. And then he, like, talked about it. He's like, okay. Like, and he was like, oh, and if it's Robert Downey Jr., who's amazing, he'll pull it off. So, like, there is a there is a whole thing with, like, comedy writing. It's like... Sometimes you get away with it because it just is funny and it feels okay at the time. And other times, like it, if it, the joke doesn't land and it feels gross, then it's that's when you're offended, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I think it's the case of the former. Yeah, he kills this. it in the role. Yeah, we know yeah. that. It's it's so funny. And it's because it's like a hat on a hat. You're like, I guess yeah. I don't know, but I guess that's all. I mean, we can move on. I mean, we are the authorities on race here. I kind of think about uh, it. it's a different thing, but there's that Gary Oldman film called was it Tippy Toe Tip Tops Tip uh, Tip Toes Tip Toes Oh yeah Tip Toes with, with McConaughey with McConaughey <laughs> that 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 is. The most insane movie that got studio approval. I yeah. do not. Yeah. I do not know how that got made. I mean, Hollywood tried to bury it big time. You can barely find tiptoes, but please watch the trailer. Uh, I'm it's an example where I sh- mean, share the uh, just like, the premise of the plot with us, Chris, if you can. <laughs> it's a- I've never seen it, but it's uh, Gary Oldman's playing a little person, mm-hmm. and it, but it takes itself seriously, right? So there's it's essentially oh, yeah. the film that they would be making fun of in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah. It's Matthew McConaughey is dating, I think, who's it, Kira Knightley or something? Or um, no, it doesn't matter. And she's like, why can't I meet your family? And he's like, you don't want to. And then she's like, please, I love you. And he's like, okay. And then it like, you know, cuts to (laughs) Gary Oldman and he's a little person, but he's... It's this trailer. He's literally like, did you you ever see the old like dwarf? Yeah, yeah, the dwarf thing where he's He's just got his his knees. (laughs) And there's like shoes tucked under there and he has like... A hunchback thing. So <laughs> wild. It's wild. And it's like, in the role of a lifetime, Gary yeah. Oldman. <laughs> I thought it was a parody trailer when I saw it. It's real. It's real. It's real. I think I'm real. so. I guess I'm my, real. my point is that I think that there should be, when it comes to satire, I don't think we should really censor satire as much as, you know, if you're. <laughs> 
you know it's like one of those things like why why do actors like if you have a movie about little people like why would you not cast somebody who is little like what what why like what's going on and uh and you know the conversations about when they're talking about the simple jack role Mm -hmm. and like how you should never do that i'm just thinking of like kuba gooding jr as radar and like even like forrest gump looking back i'm like what the fuck are people what were what were they doing yeah yeah i i I was listening to some stuff about tom hanks um i've been watching a lot of those like actors round tables and uh apparently like yeah the first like three weeks of forrest gump the director was like you don't have it yet (laughs) it's like you're trying too hard like uh this is gonna be really bad if you do this incorrectly that would be great to see that footage i know Uh, we gotta Uh, find that early tom hanks footage mm -hmm. and i'm (laughs) Yeah, and I was thinking about like Sean Penn. They talk about I am Sam. I am Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like Benny and June. There's like all. These. Uh, it's so awkward. What's the Rosie O'Donnell one? Uh, my oh sister. Oh my god! Yeah, that one's bad. That's <laughs> that a was like the Gary taste. Marshall one, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, my sister ride, waits for the bus that, or that's something. That's even <laughs> worse than tiptoes. Oh man. Oh man. The How Rose, did this stuff get made? The Rosie O'Donnell one. Do yourself a favor and just laugh your ass off and watch that trailer. Oh, it's, because it's, it's so trying to do offensive. it in earnest, and yeah. it's just so See, wrong. This is what I'll say about Tropic Thunder, and then we'll get to the next track is that the points that it makes in this movie, the things that it's satirizing, mm-hmm. they are, it's a, the way they do it, it's, I could totally see it as being offensive. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to tell somebody not to be offended by it. But the amount of terrible offensive movies that took themselves seriously that this movie prevented ever happening is probably off the scale. It's a net positive. Like, <laughs> yeah. af- after they talk about, after <laughs> Simple Jack trailer goes out, it's like, how many actors like look down at a script and be like, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to be me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was the last movie that you can think of that a, an actor played like a, a person of like Some with a disability? Yeah. Mm. Like a mental disability. Mm. I mean, I uh, what was the, the <laughs> uh, Josh Brolin and W? No. Ben Affleck in the accountant, I guess, but he's like also he's like he has autism, I guess, but he has a assault rifle. I didn't see it. <laughs> Wild stuff. Yeah. You guys want to hear some of track seven? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. This is the Mooney Suzuki with "I Just Want to Celebrate." very faithful uh, like a strangely faithful cover of the rare earth track mm-hmm. that's right yeah they were like a garage rock band that started in new york in 96 yeah i think they kind of came up with like the strokes and hives and kind of in that scene mm-hmm. i did see it one interesting connection is that the guitar player from this band wrote like the theme song or like the the title track from school of rock which had jack black in it this is like a decent cover i don't know it's it's completely a uh, needless cover but where in the movie is this playing, Chris? Uh, this is in the director's cut, um, so I did not see where this was, but it was when um, Steve Coogan is talking to some of the cast members and some of the crew about... Oh, I don't um, think I watched... I think oh, I yeah. watched the original theatrical. Same, yeah. same. Uh, I will say Steve Coogan is great in this. It's a little bit of a shame that he wasn't a bigger star when this... I mean, 
We haven't really talked about the cast that much, like beyond like the superstar like lead actors. It's an amazing cast. Everybody is in it. Everyone nails it too. And uh, Coogan, it's like a little bit of like, um, you know, it's like Psycho or maybe uh, Executive Decision where it's like he kind of building him up to be one of the main characters and then he just like... <laughs> he dies way too early. <laughs> he steps on a landmine. Yeah, he just explodes. <laughs> another one of those. Yeah. Fav- Steve Coogan's the, the best. funniest scenes. <laughs> Ben Stiller <laughs> picks up the head because he's convinced it's like oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> good one all right um, Tom Cruise's involvement in this movie is like particularly ridiculous mm-hmm. you know he was friends with Ben Stiller who is apparently uh, notoriously difficult to work with Ben Stiller Ben Stiller a lot uh-huh. of temper tantrums I, I I heard on um what's the movie oh jeez the- Meet the Fockers. Uh, the one based on all the short stories. Sorry. Um, oh, the the um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes. Oh, okay. um, I heard he was a absolute terror on that because he's like, yeah. it's my face on the poster. That's what everyone's going to blame. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He, he, he's like, like fired people on set for making like a mistake uh, that were female and replaced them with male the next day. So oh, he's had some uh, interesting, uh, you know, choices. But uh, anyway, Him, Tom you Cruise. know, Tom Cruise and Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller came to Tom Cruise and said like, hey, I've got this script idea, you know, would you mind taking a look at it? And uh, Tom Cruise read the first draft and... Yeah, they wanted him to play the McConaughey role, the agent. Mm-hmm. That's right. And his takeaway was that the uh, the first draft didn't have that presence of the movie studio giving them the pressure to get the movie done. So he said, you guys need a movie studio. You need the pressure from the movie studio, and I want to play the executive. Was it Lex Grossman? Is that the Lex Grossman. Les, so Les Grossman. Ben Stiller went off for a month or so, came back with the script. Tom Cruise read it, loved it, and said, I'm going to play this guy, and I want to have really big hands. Yeah. And <laughs> big hands. Yeah. I want to dance. Yeah. And Ben Stiller was like, what? He's like, I'll say it again. I want to have big hands, and I want to dance. Yeah. And so they did some, like, makeup tests and uh, some, like, test uh, test screenings. and um, It's great. So It's I have, pretty incredible. I have, like, three or four things to say about that. One is that uh, he dances to a ludicrous song, which is not on the soundtrack, unfortunately. But that I think that the I think that the music video to that ludicrous song was ludicrous with big hands, mm-hmm. which is like I don't know if that's a connection. Interesting. Two, I kind of think that Tug Speedman is a little bit of a Tom Cruise yeah. parody. Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. Ben Stiller has like a weird obsession with Tom Cruise. That's what the Zoolander thing was originally, wasn't it? A Tom Cruise kind of. Even before that, on the Ben okay. Stiller show, uh, he like parodied Tom Cruise a lot, and like people like <laughs> make fun of Ben Stiller for being like, yeah, he's got a weird thing with Cruise. Um, there was like an MTV <laughs> Movie Awards sketch he did where he was like Tom Cruise spelled like K R O O Z or something like that, and he was like, I'm a stuntman, and they they did like a funny thing. But like, loves the guy. <laughs> he has like a weird obsession with him, uh, in in like a parody. But like to parody somebody really well, you have to like like the person, I think. But um, yeah, it's very. It's clearly Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Stallone, Tom Cruise. I always thought um, Tug Speed. I kind of got obsessed with Tom Cruise after seeing the scene of him uh, singing "Free Fallen" in Jerry Maguire. <laughs> One of the best scenes in cinema history. We should say Tom Cruise. I believe also got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this. Yeah, which yeah. is the weirdest. I mean, I think they both lost to Heath Ledger, which is bullshit. I mean, 
if you yeah. just think of like old Hollywood <laughs> dreaming up the Oscars and it's going to be like, it's going to be all the finest pictures and all the men in their great suits from their big fancy movies. And mm-hmm. then it's like fast forward. It's like, well, we got the guy who played the clown against the guy who played <laughs> yeah. blackface. Clown <laughs> versus blackface versus fat suit. Jeez, uh, <laughs> this is a tough year. <laughs> I think it was like the older actress, uh, Cloris Leachman. Uh, she's at one of the roasts and, uh, you know, she's like, somebody hit me in the head so I can see some fucking stars. <laughs> Like, this is the best that you guys could get together. My yeah. goodness. Uh, but um, I know Keanu was the first pick for Tug Speedman. And I, I think Ben Stiller was going to play Matthew McConaughey's role for a second. And then also Owen Wilson was dubbed to, to do um, Matthew McConaughey's role. But oh, then yeah. that's right when <laughs> this he, all makes sense. It's right when uh, Owen <laughs> Wilson tried to, kill tried to kill himself. And so he was like, just take some time off and, you know. Oh, like, I didn't rest. know about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Scary yeah. stuff. Well, everyone forgets that Owen Wilson, Hollywood sweetheart, mm-hmm. you know, went through some tough went stuff. Went through it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Shout right, out to Where are we at? Yeah. After I bring the uh, the room down a bit. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's lighten it up a bit with track number eight. This is 10 years after with I'd Love to Change the World. Not a bad track. I recognize that guitar part. It sounds very similar. Is that like a Who I want to progression say it's, or something? It's that I heart song. Stairway to Heaven. I thought it was the similar to that. Maybe too. I was thinking it was uh, Crazy by Heart or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. It's got I, that pattern. I, like uh, yeah. When I was listening, I was like, wait, this yeah, this song's gonna do something and then doesn't do it. And you're like, ah, what's happening? It's like when you know you're so close to something, so you intentionally change it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, I better take a right turn here, yeah, or else people man. are gonna say I sound like Stairway. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. This wasn't a huge. Uh, what is it? A '60s British '60s group, uh, blues rock. I yeah, like this song. This was their highest charting single, and uh, talks about the confused state of the world. The song does address the Vietnam War yeah. in the lyrics. It's so weird, like, I love those 60s and 70s songs that are, like, protest songs, Mm -hmm. but nowadays, if I heard one, I'd be like, shut up. (laughs) I mean, I wonder if that was the the feeling that people had back then when they heard them on the radio, or where they're like, yeah, man! Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But um, it reminds me of the the Onion article that just came out that was like, Bob Dylan suspiciously silent right now. (laughs) 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 You're like, yeah, where's this protest song? Uh, when, when in the movie is this playing? This is also director's cut. They're oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> trekking through the jungle. Trekking through the jungle. Running through the jungle. Yeah. Anything else about 10 years after that's uh, worth mention? Well, I guess we had touched on Coogan for a hot second. I, I assume Ben Stiller met him when they were doing Night at the Museum together, which was oh, yeah. 2006. Safe assumption. Right before that. <laughs> um, and Steve Coogan, I think, is like a comedic genius. Everyone in the UK knows him as Alan Partridge, which I think is like one of the best characters ever created. But mm-hmm. he never quite broke through... In the U.S. theaters, I think the trip might be the closest thing. But he even was in that's, coffee and yeah, cigarettes. Those are very British. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. Did he do like the uh, around the world in eighty days or some sort of? He did. Yeah. He did with uh, Arnold. <laughs> was it with Arnold? 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. There's, he talks about it in the trip. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I feel like he still hasn't had a project that has brought him into the mainstream in the U.S. But I, oh, I, man, I it's such think a he's shame a because he's yeah, he's a total really genius. Mean. He's so funny in everything that he's in, and so smart about it too. I think maybe that's why America hasn't gotten on board. Is he's like <laughs> works too hard and he's too smart. <laughs> His his character in Coffee and Cigarettes is maybe one of my favorite little vignettes that I've ever seen. Him and uh, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina, yeah. where they're uh, trying to make a business connection, but you know, Alfred Molina is trying to move up in his career, and it turns out that they're uh, they're loosely related. And you get to see their awkward interaction with each other, and then it turns out that Alfred Molina actually has the connection that you know Steve Coogan wants, and he's like, ah, should have. Should have befriended the guy. <laughs> it's kind of like a precursor to the trip. And also there was a film called uh, Tristam Shandy, or it's like a Tristam Shandy, a cock and bull story, mm. which was a, is a British film. It also has uh, Rob Dryden in it. Yeah. It's this uh, adaptation of like uh, the first kind of uh, quote unquote postmodern novel, which was like a this old like French or British novel about some, and it's like this book that keeps like backtracking over and over mm. and never gets started. Mm. and so to to make it into a movie it's how it's frustrating kind of, it's like a <laughs> it's a fictional version of them so they're they're playing themselves but then they're also making the movie and he's playing like steve coogan as this like kind of dickhead yeah and it's the same thing that like the basically the same character that goes into the trip movies yeah it's yeah. pretty good i recommend it i'll check it out yeah listeners check it out Guys, it looks like we are about halfway through the soundtrack oh. up on a break time for a break uh, i think we have a game after the break I have a uh, very spooky game prepared for oh, us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another spooky game. Another spooky game. It's Halloween every week on track listing. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, we are going to add a track to the track listing Spotify playlist. Uh, one of our favorite parody songs. Is that what we agreed upon? Our favorite parody song. All right. Stay tuned. Stick with us. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the track listing podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey! Hey! Thank you for listening to the podcast. Welcome to our ad. Uh, <laughs> how can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Tracklisting Podcast. You can Gmail us. Do people, uh, it's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. People but if, if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify tracklisting playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to balance out our one one star review. Yeah. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> hey! hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to part two of the Tropic Thunder soundtrack. But before we get back, I do have a game prepared for us. Ooh. Hey, I'm excited. This is another installment of Rhyme Time. Hey. All right. All right. I'm excited for this. Should we play together or are we... Uh, you guys competing? should play together. Okay. 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 And for uh, first time listeners, Rhyme Time is a game made up of three rounds and each round has two clues and the answer to each clue will rhyme. All right. I did not do so well last time we played this. I Caleb believe it's, kinda it's usually uh, in keeping with our soundtrack, it's one music clue and one movie clue. That might be the case. There's only one way to find out. All right, let's jump in. <laughs> you guys ready for clue one? Let's do it. Clue one. Known for their reckless and chaotic live shows, this former metalcore band played their final shows at Terminal 5 
in New York City in December of 2017. Guar? Oh, I don't know. What rhymes with guar? <laughs> Star. Cars. Yeah. Car. A lot of things, I guess. All right, yeah. yeah, if you guys pre-guess, you'll get $100 if you get the answer correct. <laughs> All right, what's, what's clue two? Clue two. This 2001 comedy drama film is about a college basketball player who tries to throw a game in order to obtain $100,000 for his parents. College basketball player? Is about a college basketball player. Sixth man? Does he try to throw? I don't, I don't remember think him I've throwing it. I don't know either, but I can't think of any other college basketball movies from 2001. It um, seems like give me, close. Do you have another clue for the first half? Sixth man. For the band part. I do. This band hails from Morris Plains, New Jersey, and first achieved success with their debut album, Calculating Infinity. Metalcore. Metalcore band. Metalcore band. Now defunct. Now defunct. Okay. And they get asked about doing uh, reunion concerts, and uh, they just keep saying no. All right. Uh, what is? Do you have another clue for the second part? I do. All right. So for this 2001 drama film about a college basketball player who tries to throw a game in order to obtain $100,000 for his parents, stars Adrian Grenier, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Joey Lauren Adams. Oh, is that Drive Me Crazy? Nope. Nope. That's a high school movie. <laughs> I mean, I know that's that's uh, Vinny Chase. Vinny Chase, yeah. yeah he is from Vinny Entourage. Chase. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Adrian Grenier, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Joey Lauren Adams star in this film. Yeah, I'm coming up with nothing. I don't think I know either. All right, clue. so for the uh, for the college uh, <laughs> that he plays ba- college basketball at, it is for Harvard. Stealing Harvard? No, that's the... Getting closer, getting warm. Harvard. Uh, uh, also, another, another, <laughs> clue, another clue for clue two. This movie, Adrian Grenier's character takes a dose of lsd that is equal to fifteen thousand micrograms and is basically tripping through the whole movie <laughs> i i know I'm, nothing I'm, about I'm, it all right I, I'm, I'm giving up i'm tapping out so the movie is harvard man harvard man harvard man and the band man. known for their reckless and chaotic live shows playing their final show at terminal five in 2017 is dillinger escape plan oh jesus escape plan dillinger escape, escape plan, plan harvard, harvard man. man those okay. are those are those are two clues that are right outside of my uh, area of expertise. I don't know yeah, anything about that. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, all right. We're warmed up. Say, here we go. Here hey, we go. Yeah, bump, listen bump up, guys. Still got time. Still got time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shake it off. Shake it off. Most X. All right, round two. Clue number one. This band first achieved major success with their 1996 album, Losing Streak, which features a hidden track that you can hear by rewinding the CD. To one minute and forty seconds before the beginning of track number one. Ooh, losing streak. That sounds familiar. Was there a genre on that? Did you say that? Can there, you read that clue one more time? <laughs> there is a genre that may be a future clue, but uh, okay. th- this band first achieved major success with their 1996 album "Losing Streak," which features a hidden track that you can hear by rewinding the CD to a minute and forty before the beginning of track number one. I remember, I remember having to do like that, that. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember what. And I remember an album called Losing Streak, but uh, like Offspring or I something. I think Green Day's Dookie maybe had a secret track like that. Yeah. My guess was Offspring, Offspring for some reason. Yeah. But, okay, what's, what's the second clue? Clue number two. This 2004 British crime film is the directorial debut of Matthew Vaughn, 
and tells the story of a cocaine dealer that wishes to leave the drug business. See, I know this one. What's this one? Sexy Beast? Um, that cocaine I'm deal. trying to think if I can think of the band. Uh, the movie is Layer Cake. Oh, Layer Cake, of course. Uh, Layer Cake. And who is the star of Layer Cake? Daniel Craig. Correct. No money. <laughs> <laughs> Layer Cake. So, yeah, you guys have Layer got half of, the, half of the round figured. Um, uh, yeah, give me one more clue about the first half. Uh, one more clue for clue one. This band was formed in Gainesville, Florida in 1992. Less than Jake Layer Cake? That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, want yeah, to give away baby. the genre because yeah, if I said yeah, yeah. sky, that's a giveaway. Boom, baby. Good job, guys. All right, all right. Yeah, I take it back. I don't know that album at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not. That know. had such hits as uh, Sugar in Your Gas Tank, that's Ninth right. at Pine, and Johnny Quest Thinks for Sellouts. Oh, man. <laughs> that was their uh, actual second album, but it was the one that really catapulted them. And, that- and then also uh, the use of the music in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <sighs> that was the birth of like really referential uh, like song names. <laughs> You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, that is correct. Less than Jake and Layer Cake. How unfortunate. All right. Well, we did better that time. <laughs> Are you guys ready for the final round, round three? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Clue one. This British post-punk band formed in 2004 and takes its name for a doctor who collected art by mentally ill patients under his care. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting uh, that date to be that late, but... Uh, they yeah. could also be classified as an alt-rock band, but they definitely lean on the post-punkiness of their sound. Okay. Yeah, okay, could you give us the second clue? Clue two. This computer-animated fantasy film, released in 2010, features many characters, some of which were voiced by the likes of Hugo Weaving, Jeffrey Rush, Helen Mirren, and Jim Sturgis. Um, many characters. 2010 computer animated. That is correct. Hugo Weaving, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> For some uh, reason, I'm thinking, uh, there was a movie that I never saw, uh, kind of like trying to keep up with Pixar, but it was like all of the way he said many characters. It was, it was all of like, uh, Santa Claus and the Easter rabbit and. Oh, it was and, like the guardians of Gahul. No, that was the owl <laughs> that one. Was the it, owl it was one. like something in the guardians guardian uh what do you have a second clue for the first half so for this british post-punk band formed in 2004 they were signed to dfa records in 2006 Uh, british like like arctic monkeys british punk band signed to dfa records james murphy's label in 2006 oh god why am i blanking on this i'm gonna know this you guys want a uh a hint for a clue too yeah yeah for clue too So for this computer animated fantasy film from 2010 uh, that includes many characters, some of the characters' names are Soren, Digger, Clud, and Twilight. Is this strange magic? I think, Chris, maybe you were uh, maybe you were on to something. I think maybe you said something that might be correct. Oh, was it, gar- was it like was it? Guardians of the Keepers or <laughs> Legend of the Keepers? Is it Legend of the Keepers? Very close. <laughs> I know, I'm you're looking right close. at it. <laughs> Legend of the Keepers? Yeah, it was like, there's like... Is it the owl one? Or? No, it's like you're... Uh, oh, it, it is the one with all the... It's like Jack Frost is a character, I believe, like Santa Claus, but it's all old school characters. Something like that. Or is it the owls the guardians of gahool that's that may be correct <laughs> okay, okay gahool it ends with gahool the guardians of gahool 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 
Um, and then so British post punk band <laughs> Tool. <laughs> no, um, do, do you have no, one more clue for the band? Uh, one more clue for the band. Off the top of my head, um, one of their popular songs that I believed helped get them label attention was the track Cracker Jack Docker. Oh, <laughs> I do know this. I, for some reason, I, oh, I guess I did know they were British. Uh, Princehorn Dance School, The Legends of Gwaul. <laughs> or The Guardians <laughs> of Gwaul. Guardians, <laughs> The Owls of Gwaul. No. I'm, I'm going to give it to you guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> let me try it one more time. Let me try it one more time. Uh, Princehorn Dance School, The Guardians of Gwaul. <laughs> that is so close. <laughs> the answer I was looking for is Princehorn Dance School, Legends of... I can't even say it. <laughs> Princehorn Dance School, Legend of the Guardian, colon, <laughs> The Owls of, of Gahool. I think that Legend that, of the Guardian. I had all the words. I said all the words. I never said it in the, the title in the correct order. <laughs> this owl movie, is in, it made so much money. There's so a, many installments. I think it was so a Zack Snyder. I think that was Zack Snyder's, like, uh... Maybe I'm wrong about that. I so thought, many owls. Listeners, write in about yeah. the owls. Because I remember this in theaters... I will give it to you guys, though. Prinzhorn Dance School, <laughs> Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahool. Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahool. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> All right. Good job. Thanks All for right. playing, yeah. guys. Yeah. Thanks, right. man. <laughs> Gahool. Uh, Stumpa. Stumpa. Gahool. Yeah, yeah. That was Zack Snyder's, like, uh, foray into into kids movies i guess yeah just like mega cgi like ugh, i don't know <laughs> zack snides <laughs> yeah you guys want to jump back into the tropic thunder soundtrack yes please Let's do it this is track nine this is the pusher by steppenwolf but the pusher don't care oh, if you live or if you die The pusher God damn Hey, I say the pusher Some, uh, some real classic rock there from Steppenwolf. That's probably, of all the Steppenwolf songs that I've heard in movies, you know, their music has been used a ton. Yeah. Isn't Jay and Silent Bob? Magic Carpet Ride Magic has probably carpet. been a trillion advertisement. And what's that other song of theirs? There's Magic Carpet Ride and... Um, oh, I'm not sure. I know that this song was featured prominently in the uh, Easy Rider soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We've talked about... Um, this is a little bit of trivia for you guys. We've talked oh, about... Born it. to be Wild. Oh, uh, of course. Born to be Wild. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. So we've actually played a cover of this track before. Uh, do you guys remember what episode? Pusher? Uh, yeah, that this was like a very bad... Was this Half-Baked? This was on Half-Baked. Ooh, don't listen to that episode. And it was covered by Cowboy Mouth. That's right. This, that was the Brett's hardest... band. <laughs> that's right. This was. That, I remember that being the hardest soundtrack um, to source yeah. and finding that version uh, was near impossible. Yeah, scrubbed from the internet. 
Yeah, it's kind of, we've had a lot of trouble too. Uh, we've talked about doing idle hands uh, in the past. We were thinking about doing that maybe for Halloween, but mm-hmm. the idle hands sound, you have to buy it. Where Where is it? <laughs> you have it? to buy it for like $60. You have to buy like a hard copy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, a physical CD. Yeah. That and uh, we looked for the SLC Punk soundtrack right. maybe sometime in our future, but that was impossible to find as well. Yeah. Scrubbed. Uh, scrubbed. This is happening when uh, Jeff Portnoy, Jack Black's character, is. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a bunch of cocaine from a bag and just as you know he's the whole movie just fixing <laughs> or just needs a fix oh, yeah. there's that scene where like he's at a party you know for the film and he is making small talk and he sees his drug dealer and he's like oh there's my man and the drug dealer flicks him off and he's like ah and like runs after him <laughs> It's <laughs> like pure insanity and I, I may have told this story um but my uncle one of the first concerts he went to, he was 13, and he went to a Steppenwolf concert. Did I talk about this story? I don't and, think uh, so. He and his buddies snuck alcohol in in plastic bags in their <laughs> in their jackets. Just shows how young they were. And uh, as the concert was starting, the guy next to them in the stadium uh, shot up heroin. Wow. And they they, <laughs> and they freaked out and called his mom and they went and they left. He's like, yeah, it was a, it was a formative night in my life. But, oh man! Oh my God! That's a uh, for a Canadian American rock group. That that's a lot. That's taking it pretty serious. Oh man! You know, Steppenwolf got a melt for that concert, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Jack Black is pretty good in this movie, but he's given like the least to work with because it's kind of like we're all skewering like you know, Hollywood and you're a junkie. <laughs> he's like, <"What?" laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like spending this entire movie in withdrawals, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, could be horrifying and some like taking a different direction. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. And also he plays a comedian, uh, and he is a comedian, that, <laughs> you know, he's probably smoked a little bit too much pot in his life. And I don't know. I mean, he's not really much of a parody is real life <laughs> on the flip side to uh, ben stiller jack black is notoriously uh fantastic to work with oh, oh, yeah. everybody loves jack very black. easy to get along with yeah did you ever see him on that uh douglas or getting doug with high no um was it, oh, i did was it that doug stanhope doug Stan- no, no doug no, benson doug benson. doug benson uh you know smokes pot with everybody on the podcast and yeah. uh he is somebody who I thought was a huge stoner because Tenacious D, I guess I just, you know, felt hook, line, sinker and mm-hmm. like stoner rock and stuff like that. But um, he smokes with Doug and he was like, so I have a safety word uh, in case I kind of freak out because now I kind of freak out these days. And Doug was like, okay, like you probably won't use that. Then like three minutes later, he's like, cantaloupe, cantaloupe. <laughs> they just stopped the interview. Yeah, I think he just kind of like, like sat down in the corner for a while. Yeah. Because he's like married, he's got kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't blame the guy. I, w- I would lose my mind on that show. That's, <laughs> sounds like a complete, it's like the worst scenario I could ever be in. So stressful. Mm. You guys want to hear some of track number 10? Let's yeah, do it. Let's check it out. This is Jeanette Dubois with Moving On Up. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Yeah, 
That's yeah. uh, some throwback Nick at Night jam for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. The theme to the Jeffersons. The this Jeffersons, is, yeah. Did they actually play it in the movie? This is uh, Robert Downey Jr. at one point is trying to give a motivational speech to Al Pacino. Yeah. And uh, I should say the character Al Pacino. I don't know if we've spelled out that uh, there's a rapper who's rapper turned actor who His goes by the name Alpa Alpa Chino, Chino. <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious. But I can't, I can't really figure out why. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a rapper named Al Capone that did a lot. Uh, he did the soundtrack for Hustle and Flow with Terrence Howard. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's it's a silly name for a rapper. Yeah. There's Scarface. I mean, there's like the obsession with Scarface. Oh yeah, that a and, lot of and we'll, have. we'll talk about it later. Yeah, 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 he does. He's constantly talking about Scarface. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so, anyways, so <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. in blackface is trying to give this motivational speech to this yeah. young black man. I've been at this for four hundred years, <laughs> and it's so good and <laughs> because Al Pacino like calls him out for years. Like you're just quoting the Jeffersons. Just, <laughs> doesn't make it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just because the theme song doesn't make it wrong. Um, yeah, Brandon T. Jackson. <laughs> he's he's pretty good in this movie too. I mean, he's he's sort of the voice of reason. He's not as ridiculous as any of these other characters, but uh, his love affair with Lance Bass adds a whole new dimension <laughs> to his character as well. <laughs> when he slips out, they're like, you know, have you got a little minx back home? And he's like, Lance. Yeah, you just tell Lance. What the fuck? What? <laughs> Lance, Lance Bass? <laughs> so good. We should also give a shout out to uh, Bill Hader's amazing performance throughout this Bill, entire film. This is like very early Bill Hader, mm-hmm. and he's he's yeah. like doing a weird character when he doesn't have to be doing a character. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like a, a an assistant director, but he's doing this weird... He's kind of being like, what's a, the, what's the like a hype man. Doing? What's the voice he's doing? He's a little doing? bit like, of a kind Hollywood, of a, like an old Hollywood guy. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you're like, this would probably be funnier if you were just Bill Hader right now. Yeah. He's kind of doing Al Pacino's not. voice. A <laughs> 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 little bit. It's funny because uh, Bill Hader, that's how he kind of got his start in Hollywood. He was like a, a oh, know, yeah, he was a, a, PA, a right? PA guy and he's got these great stories about him with like Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger yeah. like trying to get him to stop playing chess. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Like, Come on, play me in chess. So he would just like purposefully lose the game so they could like get back to shooting the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, like if somebody, so was, somebody was playing Arnold, like Bill Hader would have to like slip him a note that was like lose. lose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys want to hear some of track 11? Let's do it. Please. This is Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. we talk about this song about once a month <laughs> yeah this has come up like quite a few times what this was on the uh the wayne's world soundtrack i think, I think we, when we first covered one. it yeah i think it was on something else too but uh i remember exactly in the movie when this is playing because it's like nick nolte like has a, a flamethrower yeah that's right <laughs> and all of a sudden just like frankenstein rips up yeah speaking of edgar winter uh something we've talked about on the podcast before and something i've done a little bit more research on so i have a follow-up I think we talked about this on uh, maybe the Wayne's World episode, but uh, 
if you've ever been curious on how to play Frankenstein on guitar, United I, I will can. teach you. I was going to say, I yeah. have it pulled up here. You can uh, uh, you can search for Nick Lagrasse to Frankenstein on YouTube, and uh, this was for a uh, this was one of my first jobs when I moved to New York in September of 2009. You see a little baby Nicky. Yeah, baby Nicky teaching <laughs> you how to play all these Frankenstein parts, and the name of the company was United We Tab. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a, a job that no one ever got paid for. <laughs> and in you know in this song coming up, I I did a little bit more digging about why we never <laughs> oh. got, why we never got paid. Uh, so I'm happy to talk about this on the air. Ooh. The the guy's name who started United We Tab, his name is Todd Gilman. You're gonna get sued, dude. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> We basically all signed a uh, contract and got divvied out uh, different, you know, our task was to uh, make instructional videos for different songs. And we, uh, maybe over a hundred guitar players got assigned a big handful of songs and uh, we signed a deal Mm -hmm. with this guy uh, that was uh, like a payout structure and uh, that was part of the company launch. And I guess at some point the company folded and this guy Todd disappeared so no one ever got paid, and mm. I did some digging on Todd Gilman this week, and it turns out that Todd Gilman is now the district attorney for Ventura County <laughs> to California. We're so, really going to get sued now. So, <laughs> so any hope of trying to collect these, uh, you know, these royalties, I think, may be impossible. I, I remember messaging uh, him via text and email maybe a year after everything folded just to try to get in touch and find out what happened with this, uh, you know, a decent sum of money that uh, a lot of people were owed. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this guy can't be messed with at this point. I feel like Tim Heidecker's like fake, uh, documentary that he made. He was running for district attorney of Ventura. I think he was. <laughs> it was okay. running against Gilman. <laughs> yeah. Running against Gilman. <laughs> So oh if anyone out there has any info or if you were also a, uh, a fellow guitarist that, uh, you know, got taken advantage of, please reach out. If you guys haven't told, uh, if you can't tell already, we actually, there's a parallel podcast that we're producing where every time we pick a soundtrack which has Frankenstein in it, it unfolds another chapter of this true crime drama. This is yeah. like our Sarah Koenig uh, yeah, investigative <laughs> journalism. Yeah, somebody's got to like piece it all together, and it's just like a, an epic like miniseries. <laughs> Which has been like kind of Chris and I's dream for a long time. Yeah, I think we watched like all the President's Men together, oh, and just like we gotta let's, solve a mystery. Let's be investigative journalists. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you got 26,000 views on YouTube for your tutorial of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. You are owed money mm-hmm. for whoever has that YouTube channel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it was also, you know, that would lead people to uh, to buy the sheet music, and they had some kind of, uh, had like a proprietary system, so it was kind of factored into the deal that we signed. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, of dollar signs gone missing. Comments are turned off for that video, but uh, there's some other video. What, have, what else have you done for United Tab? I did um, like Bark at the Moon by mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. and um, Coldplay, some Foo Fighters, a little uh, some Michael Jackson, a little mix of everything. It was the Coldplay one that uh, people praised Nick. As oh being, yeah, there's some hilarious comments on that. Better than, any, like, better than any version I've ever heard. <laughs> Kudos, yeah. you changed my life. Yeah, changed my life. Um, I would give some you money. Said it changed his life. I donated three thousand dollars to this YouTube channel. I mean, you're owed that money. Exactly. You know? All right, Nikki, what do we got next? (laughs) We're coming in on track number 12. This is Sometimes When We Touch by Dan Hill. Sometimes when we touch 
Canadian late 70s power ballad. I don't even know if I call it a power. I guess it's just a ballad. It is the cheesiest power ballad of all time if it is a power ballad. I don't think there's not even any guitars in it. I think it's just a ballad. Dan Hill's a, uh, what is he, a Canadian pop singer songwriter? Yeah. See, Um, not even pop rock. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think, the agent's uh, ringtone. It's his ringtone. It's Matthew McConaughey. Peck. It's a nice touch. The TiVo joke I thought was so funny. I, I still watch just like his whole story arc is just like getting him the TiVo. And even when uh, Tug Speedman is like nuts and like living in the forest with uh, a panda that he's just skinned and <laughs> wearing, he's like, I'm beyond TiVo. But last time I checked, it didn't set it up. He's like, what? <laughs> you you worked so hard. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, God. You were quoting me the, the part where uh, where he's talking to Tug about his, his attempt to adopt a child. While <laughs> how's he's how's the adoption going, Tug? And he's like, I feel like they got all the good ones already. <laughs> like, it's a kid uh. like wielding a knife or something in a cage. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> And then McConaughey's got that like just shitty dumpy kid, and he's like, "At least you get to pick your kid." <laughs> uh, if you guys have not uh, been keeping track of um, Matthew McConaughey's Instagram, uh, please go to official Matthew McConaughey on enlighten Instagram. Us. Enlighten us, Chris. Uh, well, he's enlightening. Uh, he's coming out with a book called Green Lots, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have. Uh, you know, seeing the change in Matthew McConaughey's sort of whole perspective on things. But um, his green lines is like, some people put on the fan at the gym so they don't sweat. I wear a beanie in the sun so I do sweat. This is green lines. Oh, <laughs> so man. he's got all these like weird pseudo intellectual things. And he's just, got, this is green lines. <laughs> oh, God, please tune in. Check it out. I was working on like some Matthew McConaughey like Cadillac commercial. Nice. Like on spec, and it's like there's Link, like Lincoln or Cadillac. Lincoln, yes, Lincoln, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it was Lincoln, and uh, there's like two Matthew McConaughey's in the commercial. You know, one's in the front and one's in the back, and <laughs> he's looking at himself in the back seat, and he's saying like, uh, "You might not even ever ride in the front seat." And they're just both laughing at each other. <laughs> it's pretty insane. I think it's the one that uh, Jim Carrey <laughs> parody parody on SNL. SNL. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, I guess it was like in tandem with Lincoln Lawyer, and so he did like a Lincoln ad like a few years after that. Yeah, but he's, he's still doing them. Is he still doing? Yeah, yeah they're still going still out. on board. I can't. Matthew McConaughey, you're in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> just watch your own movie. <laughs> This is a blueprint of things not to do. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, he can't man. help himself. This is green light. I swear, man, uh, his green light things are so funny. You got to check them out. It's funny that, so this this movie came out before McConaughey kind of went on his role of like uh, Oscar buzzy films and Dallas True Detective. Dallas Club, True Detective. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. and he's like, I think in the course of losing a bunch of weight and kind of becoming more interesting and probably more crazy and like a better actor. Yeah. He like when you look back at him, he like looks so good in this movie. Yeah, and and he looks like kind of crazy now, even though he looks like a crazy good-looking person. Ah, uh, you know, I I think it's 
True Detective is probably what I saw like the most Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> you know, I've watched a mm-hmm. lot of that, yeah. and he looks nuts in that. Like yeah. he looks, he's all methed out. And then Dallas Buyers Club, he's like you know rail thin and like all cowboy hickey. But yeah. he looks, yeah, he looks very attractive nowadays. Like he's he's buffed out again. He's fine. He's doing fine. <laughs> but uh, all right, Nikki, what do we got next? How are you guys feeling about track thirteen? Oh, I feel good. This is Edwin Starr with War. Hey man, the days when us like a protest song could hit number one on the pop charts. Can you imagine? And we still love it today. You would have thought that song was by the band War, but uh, <laughs> no, Edwin Starr. Edwin Starr. Edwin Starr. I think the Temptations did a version before this. I, I don't think uh, Edwin Starr was actually the first one. Yeah, this is featured on the uh, the Rush Hour soundtrack that we talked about before. But yeah, it's just too much dialogue on that soundtrack to cover for an episode. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't, Can't do, do it. it. But yeah, great song. There's a lot of, we should say a lot of music in the movie that didn't make it onto the soundtrack. But you would expect this song to be in any sort of Vietnam era parody. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the, uh, did you guys see the uh, Godzilla, or no, sorry, the, the King Kong movie that was set in like... Uh, the 70s with Kong Sam Jackson. Skull Island. Yeah. I really like that of like all the, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a play on like, but it's like set, it's like a period film and it has all the music and it's just a bunch of fucking Credence and shit. John yeah. C. Mm-hmm. Riley. Period war monster movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I thought, I liked Kong Skull Island. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was a yeah. unique take on like a, uh, we can't have any more King Kong movies. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> do I need to see this? Is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Lazy Saturday. Movie, Lazy Saturday. Maybe. Okay. John C. Riley is like this. Love uh, John C. Riley. He's yeah. like a World War II pilot who crashed on Skull Island and has been stuck there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so he's like wearing this tattered like, pilot's uniform and he's gone crazy. Samurai sword and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be hard for me to watch that without just picturing uh, Dr. Steve Brule the entire time. <laughs> it's, it's in the same he's ballpark. Pretty, he's pretty Brule. He's, <laughs> he's got his thing, for man. Your health. It's for your help. Uh, I would have to look at the track listing, but I assume that this song is also in that soundtrack. But I don't know. <laughs> just, we got to come up with a definitive like Vietnam War. You're in a helicopter. What song are you going to hear? Um, there's all the leaves are brown is a pretty good one that I hear. Mamas in every, and the Papas. Mamas and the Papas. Yeah. Uh, maybe if there's like a really like wider shade of pale <laughs> might mm-hmm. come up if it's like a sad part. I have a lot of credence. A lot of credence. Fame by David Bowie in some weird way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'll take it. Some Bowie funk. <laughs> all right. Uh, where are we at in the soundtrack? Guys, we're coming in on the last track on the soundtrack. <laughs> This is track number 14. I don't want to have to yeah, say this say title, it. but... Uh, Wait, say the title? Yeah, what, what is the title again? Can you say that? Pronounce it? This is Brandon T. Jackson with I Love That Pussy. So there we go. <laughs> say hello to my little friend. Okay? Al Pacino. Another cuelo. Okay. I'm in the morning. I'm reloading. Hell yeah, I love that pussy jumping down to the floor. Oh no, but wait, it's pussy. Hell yeah, I love that 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 pussy. Hell yeah,
Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. I uh, I think I mentioned this, but uh, I've I've worked with Brandon T. Jackson in the past. Um, oh, really? Yeah, a little inside baseball here. Okay. Uh, a lot of uh, so I used to do stand up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and there was a uh, club called uh, Arlington Improv, and I would say about ninety percent of the comics that came through there were black, and the audience was almost entirely black, but um most of those comedians want to have a white opener for whatever reason uh and i oftentimes had to take the bullet uh and just like you know be made a fool of after a uh, black comedian just, just like destroyed uh, right in, after in mad max fury road when they strap the guy to the front of the car <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> so you know i take the uh i take the hit and um, oh, and then man. the I, there, there's several reasons why um, that happens. I think I was not privy to any of the um, <laughs> the decision making there, but I think a lot of uh, black comedians touring will do that. Um, anyway, so worked with this dude. He um, he had like a DJ that would stay like uh, on the stage the whole time, and I had just seen Bernie Mac's um, Night at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. When I don't know if you, have you guys ever seen that. Um, Video. Yeah, it's been a while. Ago. He's yeah. like, I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was classic. Yeah, the four comedians before him just got like swept off the stage by the Sandman, and then he came out and he just like destroyed because he was like, I'm not scared of you guys. Yeah, that was a Def Jam. Def Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Def Jam at the Apollo or something like that. And um, I, I guess I was invigorated by that, and uh, <laughs> uh, I I did really well that whole weekend. Uh, and every time I would uh, like have a joke that went really well, I'd be like, "DJ, kick it!" <laughs> and he would, like, I don't know, I was like messing with the DJ the whole time. But uh, yeah, Brandon T. Jackson, he, he didn't really want anything to do. He was nice, he was fine, but like there, sometimes you hang out in the green room for a sec and you're like, "He doesn't want me in there," <laughs> or like this this comedian doesn't want me in there. So I, I kind of stayed out of his way. But uh, Sinbad's brother was his manager, and that was kind of funny. And then um, <laughs> he had like a gopher uh, white dude that was like his like, you know, PA. assistant PA guy. And he was like, all right, so Brandon, um, he wants you to like give out all these drink tickets so you can have a, a chance to win a drink with Brandon after the show. And I was like, oh, wait, you want me to like give out tickets to the entire audience? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, during the show? And he's like, yeah, after you finish, you give out all the tickets. <laughs> I was like, that's going to take like 10 minutes and it's like going to ruin them. He's like, just do it, man. Uh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so like oh, during oh no. like two of the shows, Cringe. I was like, okay, so Brandon wants to give all these tickets and you, <laughs> and one of them has a thing and you write your name on it. And so I'm like collecting tickets and it's taking forever. Oh no, man. And this like, is way cringe. Yeah. And like one of the times I was like, okay, I think I have him. And like a lady in the audience is like, you don't have all the tickets yet. You don't have all the tickets. Like screaming. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then like the manager finally stepped in. He's like, don't do that after the show. And then we'll deal with it then. But this is, this is a nightmare. Um, oh, man. But, Cut through to comedy scene Fort Worth. Oof, yeah. Arlington, <laughs> Jeez, maybe. Oof, it's rough stuff. stuff. But um, yeah, long story short, he's okay at stand up. I respect his hustle. Okay. But um, I, I had a moment of pride after I was leaving the, the, the show once. Um, these guys came up to me and they're like, Hey man, you're pretty funny. I don't know about your boy though. I was like, uh, who? And they were like, 
nah, never mind. And I was like, oh, that was funny on the headline. There you go, man. What's up? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. Uh, this track is pretty funny. It's funny that it's such a time capsule that they're doing, like a Nelly, you know, it's like a... I guess like mm-hmm. kind of the genres of rap change so specifically through time that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's what that's rap, rap sounded was. like for like you know eighteen months or something. Like Cisco, I think. I mean, way uh, before yeah. this, but was just like you know projecting so hard. He's <laughs> like, I have the six pack with me, and there's six sexy ladies that I love having sex with because <laughs> I'm a straight guy that loves sex. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> All right, man, calm down. <laughs> uh, I was just kind of reminds me of the the last Wham song. Is it uh the last Wham song? The one that we love, where it's about uh, having a, he's like married to a woman oh, who wants that's all like the money. One of my favorite tracks that I discovered later in life. That's uh, everything she wants. Everything she wants, but it's <laughs> kind of like guys. It's like you know when you're with that perfect woman. And she just wants money from you all the time, and you don't really want to see her or be Not around gonna her that much. Not gonna have your baby. <laughs> like, you're like, no. Wait, what? What? <laughs> it's like, ah, guys, we all feel that way. We got right? married, and then she wants to spend time with me, and you know, like you have to, then you have to hang out with her. <laughs> yeah, I, think, uh, I think George <laughs> Michael has said on record that that's his. Uh, that was a song that like he wrote by himself with like a synth and a drum machine, which is amazing. Sweet. But of of all the stuff he's written, he said that that's his uh, the the track of Wham's that or his that he's the the most proud of. Hmm. It's a jam. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. I think that's kind of famous. When I said like the last Wham song, I mean I think it was on their last album, but I think uh, it was one that he just kind of like you said wrote alone, and then was just kind of like uh, when it came to writing credits, he was like. Yeah, yeah, we both did it. Great uh, music video for that song as well. A lot of, uh, you know, it's all shot in black and white, and it's like tour footage just that cuts back to George Michael doing a hair flip, (laughs) just like on loop. (laughs) And it's still great. You gotta have faith, you know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I guess Fred Durst uh, really loved that uh, idea too. (laughs) Let's not get into Fred Durst. All right, guys, I think that was the last track on the episode. That is. I think there may have been another track included on um, like a certain release, but I think we are coming in on the, uh, that was the last track of what we're dealing with tonight. All right, I guess we have to jump in and review this album on a scale of 0 to 15 tivos tivos uh, big hands fatties uh, booty sweats <laughs> booty sweats <laughs> farts <laughs> out of 15 cans of booty sweat uh decimal points allowed and i am going to ask for your favorite and least favorite tracks okay all right okay I'll start off if you guys yeah. don't mind. No. Chrissy, Out of do tradition. You, how do you yeah. feel? Um, I'm going to say best track on this. I love Creedence Clearwater Revival. I think Run to the Jungle's great. Um, maybe The Temptations, Ball of Confusion is really good too. Worst track, Sometimes When We Touch. That song is ridiculous and I don't think, um, you know, it's, it's a parody of a parody of a parody. <laughs> Uh, or I Love That Pussy by Brandon T. Jackson. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, 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 I'm just kidding. He's a good dude. Uh, he was, he was, if, you, if you're listening, Brandon, uh, I'm sorry for insulting you earlier. Um, I'm going to give this soundtrack a 8.8 out of 15. I think there's some really good songs on here, but it's, you know, 
picking songs that worked well on previous Vietnam era soundtracks, and then the other songs that they put in here were like for comedic effect. Yeah, uh, 8.9, <laughs> 8.8, 8.8, 8.8, yeah, whatever. All right, Nikki, how do you feel about this? First of all, favorite and least favorite tracks. Uh, favorite and least favorite tracks, uh, I'm going to say my uh, favorite track is track four, uh, Sadeness Part 1 by <laughs> Enigma, nice. um, because it really did take me back to, I think, what was ostensibly maybe the first album that I owned, which was that Pure Mood yeah, CD. And uh, in re-listening to that whole new age genre, even this week, uh, I was like, this is great. <laughs> um, this is great. I like the idea of like, yeah, give the give the kid a right. It's it's new age. It's fine. It's like yeah, he's old and it's new age. Yeah, and my parents like, like, are we gonna spend like thirty dollars on this TV CD? <laughs> some some French person walks by and hears this like it's all like weird sex stuff. <laughs> it's like I don't know. Like this new age music is making this kindergarten boy just like very happy. <laughs> it's thirty bucks, but it's a two CD compact disc. Okay, Man, I was really into that album. <laughs> but uh, my uh, least favorite track, I'm gonna say is track number nine the uh the pusher by uh steppenwolf <laughs> least favorite yeah least favorite okay yeah this song does kind of suck i don't know if i feel least favorite and um you know on a scale of zero to 15 uh tropic thunders i'm gonna come in at a at a 9.0 okay nice I feel like the you know the soundtrack's pretty good. A lot of memories wrapped up in the soundtrack. Crystal Method, uh, Credence, growing up, obviously Enigma, and um, Edgar Winter Group. <laughs> Who could forget? <laughs> um, watching the movie for the first time, um, very entertaining. I wish I had seen it in the theaters. It's like a very theater kind of yeah, oriented yeah. Uh, viewing experience, and uh, pretty good soundtrack. All right. So, uh, what do you got for us, Caleb? All right. Well, favorite track, I gotta probably go with the Credence track. I love that song. That's a good one. Least favorite, I'm surprised I'm the first person to pick the Crystal Method. Uh, oh, name of the game. The, the, oh, the remix. The, the big ass TT mix. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention in parentheses, name of the game, the Crystal Method's big ass TT. Big ass TT. Uh, so the remix doesn't do this track any favors. I should also say that this is a movie that came out, what do you say, 2008? 2008. 2008 yeah. And uh, this Crystal Method song's from like 2001, so I don't even know why it's not. <laughs> before that man it's like yeah. 98 it's uh yeah it doesn't i don't know what it's doing in the movie it's bad aesthetic um i do love the enigma track I, that's like uh <laughs> it's dear to my heart uh it's funny yeah as a soundtrack it's kind of a pastiche of other soundtracks just as a, the movie is a parody of other movies uh it doesn't hold together that well it is kind of impressive that they can license like mc hammer and enigma and credence and so I appreciate it for that. I'll give it a 9.1. Nice. Oh, uh, pretty, very yeah. close. 9.1 away. Cans of booty sweat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. We do need to move into our favorite recommended track. Yeah, we're going to recommend a track to the track listing Spotify playlist before we go. Our favorite parody song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Please do. This is interesting for me. I kind of... If I'm being completely honest, I kind of hate parody songs. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Lump? I, uh, Weird Al? Weird Al. Uh, Amish Paradise? Well, Weird Al. Where do you stand on Amish Paradise? Well, Weird my Al. track is from Weird Al. No, I didn't pick a Weird Al track. <laughs> uh, I picked a song. It's from 1976. The band is Flo and Eddie, which is actually two guys from the Turtles. I don't know if you guys uh, 
they put together these albums and the parody is so weird i don't even get a lot of the references and i can't tell how much of a parody it's supposed to be if it's the one i'm thinking of there's a lot of like 80s or 70s era <laughs> par- yeah, so references that i did not get it's 76 mm-hmm. the song is called keep it warm and it's i think making fun of i think it's just making fun of hippies although they're obviously hippies maybe it's making fun of the beatles and the beach boys but it's definitely parodying the both of them so this is keep it warm by flo and eddie my wood is broken down by the beach now and tm's gotten far out of reach now tell the maharish to keep it Yeah, hitting all the uh, checking all the boxes with that one. Yeah, man, you yeah. Uh, you sent me that after I was obsessed with the um, Johnny Carson Beach Boy song. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're like, you should listen to this. It's pretty. I think it's making fun of this exact thing. Yeah, I think yeah, but I again, like it's been so long, and and I'm young enough to where I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about really. But uh, I like the song. The whole album's like pretty listenable and pretty good. Yeah. Who wants to go next? Okay. All right, what do you Chris, got for us, Chris? What is your parody song? I've got a parody song from a very funny comedian, uh, and I saw her perform this song um, at UCB uh, on Characters Welcome Night. Rest in peace? Rest in peace? Question mark? 2021, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, her name is uh, Sarah Smallwood Parsons, and she's got some really funny videos out there. Um, and the name of the song is This Is the Song That No One Likes. And you can play that from the beginning. Here we go. This is the song in every show That no one likes because it's boring A song like Sentimental Man or Mr. Cellophane Or look, that woman's almost snoring I'm usually an older man suspenders and is lonely my range is limited and so the next three minutes will pass slowly so if you have the tiniest suspicion <laughs> oh, that's pretty great yeah for you uh you musical fans out there or if you hate musicals it's <laughs> i think it's equally funny because they're yeah in every musical you will see a song that you're like all right uh, guess wrap it up hold timer <laughs> let's go and she really leads into it and she's yeah there's a video of her doing it on youtube and she's also posted it to uh, spotify but it's a great song sarah smallwood parsons check her out very nice thank you chris All right, for my uh, favorite parody song, I've got a song from the 2015 album entitled TV from our good friend Hot Dad. (laughs) There you go. Couldn't talk about uh, parody songs without talking about Hot Dad. So uh, the premise for this album was that um, Hot Dad, also uh, known as Eric Helwig, uh, decided to take all of the theme songs from um, famous TV shows and uh, just completely delete them and rewrite the intro music 
uh, to the visuals. So uh, this album has 101 songs. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible start I mean, to finish. Yeah, his, uh, his proficiency with putting out um, material is pretty insane. And um, so this is his parody of the intro to the classic Nickelodeon TV show, Doug. So let's hear a little bit of uh, Hot Dad's Doug. Hot Dad, total genius. Oh, um, so he's got a lot of different TV shows. There's Big Bang Theory, Animaniacs, Elf, DuckTales. The list goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, they line up, per, they're perfectly timed to the amount of the visual to it's the It's a lot of song. work. It's so incredible. I, I, I cannot believe he did it. <laughs> but they're all amazing. Yeah, man. All right, guys. That is the Tropic Thunder right. soundtrack. Yeah. Great pick, Nick. That was fun. Thank you guys for listening to Tropic Thunder with us. Yeah. I think uh, Chris has a pick for us next week. That's right. Stay tuned to find out. This is another uh, Halloween episode. It's another Halloween. 100 years of Halloween here on Tracklist. <laughs> it involves a lot of dressing up. That's true. That's true. All right, thank you to Ben Stiller and uh, everyone that made Tropic Thunder possible. <laughs> we couldn't have done this episode without you guys. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. What else can you really say? <laughs> Thank you guys for listening with us. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 And cut.